out of practice airline pilots are making potentially disastrous errors, according to this headline and the story I was reading. As they return to work, uh, they've been out of work for quite a long time with the coronavirus. And um, there, this article that I was just engrossed in yesterday, and I thought we would invite Jock Williams on to talk about, uh, I just like to read a little bit uh, from it, if I could. There are some potentially disastrous errors th- that take have taken place in the uh, U.S. in recent months as pilots return to work. In every case, the crew blamed their oversight on a shortage of flying during COVID. The incidents are among dozens of mistakes confidentially declared by out-of-practice pilots since the start of the pandemic. And they are uh, stored on a low-profile database designed to identify emerging safety threats. And the monitoring program funded by the Federal Aviation Administration is decades old, but it is now flashing warning signs as planes return to the skies. Uh, there are some situations where, um, you know, it seems concerning. Uh, a pilot fresh from a seven-month layoff because of the pandemic uh, and descending to land early in the morning realized almost too late he hadn't lowered the wheels and pulled out of the approach with just 240 meters uh, left for the uh, from the tarmac. Weeks earlier, a passenger plane leaving a busy airport headed off in the wrong direction, flown by a captain who was back on deck for the first time in more than six months. These seem like scary situations, and indeed they are, because any error when it comes to flying could be potentially deadly. Here to talk about how concerned we should be, uh, friend of the show, and we haven't had him on for a while, Jock Williams. He is a retired a fighter pilot and aviation expert. Jock, I'm so pleased to have you back. Hi, Kelly. Glad to be back. It's been a long time. So when you hear about these stories where pilots are out of practice because uh, they've been grounded for so long with COVID and with the pandemic, is there any cause for, for concern in your mind? Well, of course, there's a cause for concern, but we have a mechanism in place that should prevent any major problem. Incidentally, the, the problems that you uh, illustrated the situation with were rather overblown. There was one in that same article that said a guy tried to take off with only one of his two engines going. Well, he obviously wasn't following his checklist very carefully or looking at his instrument panel, or he would have seen a whole bunch of warning lights saying one of your two <laughs> engines is turned off. You know, so I, I find difficulty believing this. I and mean, maybe the guy's trying to get a pay raise out of his company by saying, you didn't give me enough practice, so now I'm going to sue you. But in reality, of course, people get rusty. If they haven't flown for a, for a year, uh, they would be rusty, but they will receive approximately 20 hours of, of remedial training at four hours a day for five days, plus probably um, four hours a day of simulator for seven days before they would be in an airplane. And the simulators are so good today that they're better than an airplane for training. So if you can't get your skills back in 20 hours or whatever, I think you got a bit of a problem. The, the Why do you thing- say... Can I just ask you about the simulator for a second? Um, but yeah. why do you say the simulators are better? Do they give you like worst case scenarios and run you through those? Yes, exactly. One of the first things you're going to do is engine fires on takeoff, engine fires shortly after takeoff, you know, uh, flaps not working, landing gear not working. You're going to go through every single emergency that you could ever experience in the airplane. Back in the days when we had to use real airplanes for training, some of those sequences were simply too dangerous to try. 
so people never got any practice. But now I've I've probably had a hundred engine failures on takeoff in the simulator, and it's just there's nothing to it when you're used to it. So what they do is they make you used to it by giving you 20 hours of training and then another eight hours or so of testing, and they make sure you're good enough. Transport Canada sends inspectors down to down to Texas and Florida and the various training places, or to the airlines' individual training schools and tests all the pilots to make sure that they are up to speed. And if they aren't up to speed, they get more training until they do pass all the required tests. So, so are you confident. creating um, muscle memory then in that in that flight simulator? Because there's some well, that argue it can't replicate real-life pressures of a cockpit. You're saying <laughs> poppycosh. Well, anybody who says that hasn't been in a good simulator test ride, because believe me, in a few seconds, you forget that it isn't the real airplane. First of all, they move, although that's not really important. But secondly, they have the capacity to simulate anything. In other, in other words, you can dial in any kind of an emergency you want, some of which you could never practice in the real airplane. So you get better training and you get it more often. Generally speaking, most airline pilots are, are tested at least once a year, but, but generally speaking, probably twice a year by either a Transport Canada inspector or a designated pilot from it, the, the company itself. So we, we keep a pretty careful eye. We also have some rules like you have to have done within the last 30 days, five night takeoffs and landings and X number of other sequences so that you're not new to the cockpit by the time you actually get into the plane. Presumably the scheduler of the company also puts a person in, in one of the seats who has flown much more recently, probably yesterday. So I'm not particularly worried about this, but I do anticipate you're going to get more instances of near misses. The guy that went down to 240 meters, 240 meters is a mile as far as an aircraft is concerned. It just doesn't matter if that's as low as you go. Two meters, now that's important. But but you're a fighter pilot. Come on, these I, guys are just flying, you know, the big uh, jets. <laughs> well, the big jets cost $100 million. I'm sure they want to be real careful with them. The fighters just go fast and uh, are exciting to fly. But the fact of the matter is, you know, you, you, it's not dangerous if you leave, leave your gear up and you go down to 800 feet. It's dangerous if you leave your gear up and you go down to 100 feet because you may not pick it up and now you're descending right. and you're going to touch the ground, which is not a good thing. But so it's a bit of an exaggeration it. when they say he realized almost too late that he hadn't lowered the wheels. Uh, yeah, I, it, would, I would call that a bit of an exaggeration. Okay. He would have had horns going off. He would have had a female voice probably saying landing gear landing gear why a female voice is there is there something behind that yeah oh there sure is i mean because most voices you hear in aviation still are male so for warnings and so on we found it's much more effective to put a female voice in because it gets your attention you say who's that you know right but in reality it's a computer talking to you but but it's very effective but let me tell you, by the time you get yourself down to 800 feet, you got a whole bunch of voices tell you, pull up, new, no gear, landing gear, pull up, go around. You right. know, and it just, so if you miss those warnings, you're really in trouble. But that's why we practice, and we practice at great expense. I mean, these simulators cost as much to fly per hour as the real airplane. But if you crash the simulator, it doesn't cost a penny, whereas if you crash the airplane, it costs, let's say, $100 million. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. It, it, like a few minutes ago, you said something. You anticipate some near misses. In in with yes. regard to what? 
Well, we've got about 700 major airliners sitting on the ground right now waiting to be brought back into service. That means you're going to have, generally speaking, most airlines have probably four crews per airplane. So that would be 2,800 crews that are going to have to be retrained and, and put back online. Well, that means 24-hour-a-day operation for a whole bunch of simulators. But that's fine. I mean, mm-hmm. you pay good money to get these simulators, but they save you a fortune every year in non-bent airplanes and in highly trained crews. But let me tell you, it's a rare pilot who loses all his skill. You, you Definitely, you get rusty. I remember feeling rusty after three or four days off in the Starfighter, which I was flying in Germany, because it was very, very fast, and we flew it very, very low, and, and we did challenging things. But the fact of the matter is, in a few seconds after going flying, you get it back. It comes Your muscle memory comes back real quickly when the world is going by at 900 miles an hour. So the fact of the matter is, yes, everybody will be a little rusty for the first few instants of flight. But by the time he's 200 feet in the air, most of the guys will be back in the groove. Besides which, we don't fly the plane that much in, in modern airliners. It's the, it's the autopilot. So the biggest deal of training ought to be to make damn sure that every pilot knows how to use the autopilot correctly and does so. I, I used to have co-pilots who would try to hand-fly the approach when we had our rich customers in the back, and I'd say, you let the airplane fly. It'll do 10 times better than you. We'll fly when we're coming back home empty, and you can play with the plane then. A lot of guys don't, don't accept that when they're young pilots, but we old pilots <laughs> accept it easily. Yeah, well, I have to thank you so much for joining us, Jock. You uh, take headlines that seem terrifying uh, because, you know, they're 36,000 feet in the air of terrifying. You know, if you if it drops, gravity is a way of, you know, making things happen. So you take these stories and you put them into perspective for us. And I do appreciate that, as well as the fact that you bring a huge amount of cool factor to the Kelly Cotrera show. I mean, the coolest line that we are going to hear all day long on 640 Toronto is in uh, my Starfighter, I was flying in Germany. I could challenge any other guest to say anything as cool as that. <laughs> yeah, we thought it was pretty cool at the time, too. I <laughs> bet. talking to you, Kelly, and I really uh, enjoy being back. Thanks so much. That's Jock Williams. He, of course, is a retired fighter pilot, and he is an aviation expert and, of course, friend of the show.